dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to discuss the, what is this now, the ninth episode? Of it the is. second season of Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. Maybe. This one is called Smart Power. <laughs> I like how you said it like that. The name is so so silly compared to most other names. I can't figure out what they mean by smart power. I feel like maybe is it like using your power in a smart way? That just seems too obvious, though, doesn't I, I, it? I mean, it does. I'm I listeners, if you guys have a good clue in as to what you think this title means, we would love to hear it from you because I agree with you, Paul. It seems. Very straightforward, but then very awkward at the same time. Big brains out there, throw us a bone. I totally want to hear what you have to say. So this one has such an interesting twist. We have been completely bogged in Gilead. You know, we had our little couple of moments where we stepped to the side and went over to the colonies. But for the most part, this season has just been dealing with the Waterford's household. So now actually getting to step away, we're getting to have that that really great glimpse into what's going on in the rest of the world that we had in season one. We had had all those previous season one flashbacks that seem to be getting less and less and less now. And so this was fantastic. Yeah, it's a glimpse outside that they've been setting up since the first or second episode when Fred advocated for taking the delegation to Canada. So this was all about trade and trying to basically do PR for Gilead, trying to make them look somewhat normal to the rest of the world and open up some lines of trade. So we have Fred have to announce to the household that he and Serena Joy and Nick will be heading out to Canada, which brings in a new character, Isaac. What did you think about this guy? Isaac looked about 12, just very big for his age. I agree. He had a very young face. He had a very young voice. And he acted like a little kid put in charge of others for the rest of the episode. Agree. He was absolutely a bully. I felt awful when we were told that Isaac was going to be in charge of June. It seemed like nothing good could possibly happen here. Nothing good did happen here. Nothing good did happen. <laughs> Absolutely not. The conversation with Serena Joy on their way out of town was a massive sting to June and basically sends her storyline on its way this episode. I mean... We leave off with some sympathy for SJ getting her ass beat last week. And then before you can remember anything about that, you remember, oh, yeah, she's a bitch. <laughs> and so she says, uh, after the baby's born, we're going to get you out of here like right then. It's like not even going to be like the the next day. You're just going to be gone out of here. That's a lot. That's a little much, right? I think it was entirely too much. With Serena Joy, it always feels like two steps forward. No, always feels like one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, that's more right. Every that's like it. single yeah. time. I feel like it's like, you know, you start to have a little bit of an idea of what's going on with that woman. And then it was like, this was so unnecessary to, to go and tell her this. Even if that's what was going to happen, why did you have to go and say that to her? Because SJ's twisted like that. She is. She absolutely is. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting to see, again, the twisting of the knife in June's side and then simultaneously her getting the knife twisted in her with Fred. You mean the conversation out in the greenhouse? Absolutely. Man, when he approached her and touched her, did you see her flinch just Oh yeah. Just a little bit? Oh yeah. That was I that also saw her holding her breath and not letting it go until he walked all the way out of the greenhouse and then she exhaled. That's like the sort of scene that the director would would have shot I don't know, like 20 times so that the editor had a, a multitude of flinches to choose from. <laughs> you know what I mean? God. Like, oh, that's too much of a flinch. Oh, we didn't see the flinch. You know, it, it, you could not get that flinch right that day. I'm 
I'm positive. It was so much. It's so heavy. And it's something that I appreciate so much about the writing and acting in this show is that even something so small as a flinch or the way that someone holds their breath says so much because SJ doesn't convey her feelings to the audience. I mean, half the time we have no idea what she's going to say or do or why she's doing what she is doing. Because to piggyback on that comment... There's every likelihood in my mind that if she survives in like three seasons, she and June could be like running the resistance from Canada or something, you know? It's just, it's going to be a real pain getting there with her like this. I go back and forth on that because I kind of thought you were going to say in three years she'd be brought up on war crimes or something. And I'd be like, yeah, that seems more likely. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that I ever see her successfully changing over to, to that degree of actually helping other people get out or anything like that. I feel like if she indeed gets out, I feel like she's such a strange duck that she just seems like she'd be like, well, fuck the rest of them. This, you know? ep- this episode went a long way to cracking her, though. This first conversation with Fred in this, we need to show a strong Gilead wife. Woman wasn't the right word. Wife was the right word there. Right, exactly. And he's just so disgusting. You know, just everything about him is so disgusting. Everything about their interactions anymore just feels like I, I-, I can't with him at all, Paul. He's just so gross. In Canada, Fred absolutely rises to the occasion and acts like he is just like the bee's knees, right? He's much more charismatic than I would have thought with his French and his, what do you call it, glad handing. And yeah, he was a pretty smooth character, especially with the cane that added a little extra. Oh my gosh, right? It's kind of like he could start tap dancing or something at any point in time with that thing. The delegation from Canada, they were... Hmm, what's the right word I want to say? Guarded. Yes. And I mean, these are Canadians. So you expect, you know, full, like beyond cordial. I mean, you be, you expect like them to be so vivacious and, and kind and everything. And at least polite. So you have that one member of the group be like, you know what? I'm not kowtowing to you at all. If you didn't know. Canadians call us the states. So when he said, my husband and I used to visit the, like to visit the states, that was totally accurate to how Canadians would say it. Are they in Toronto or Ottawa? Do you, did you notice? I, you know what? I did not notice. Ottawa is the national capital, but I was, I guess I, for some reason, thought they were in Toronto. It's further south, easier to get to from the border. You know, that would be more natural place to stop. But why would a delegation be going to Toronto? Instead of the national capital, that doesn't make sense. Someone could identify the buildings for Canada <laughs> out there. Please tell us what, what, yeah, where they're at. Paul needs to know, apparently. So immediately, Serena Joy is sidelined, and totally. she does not get to be a part of any of these meetings or any of this conversation. How awful was it that they bring her over a, you know, like itinerary in like a pictogram um I, what i was looking at i was all i could think of is that it looked like a children's menu yeah first, you know it's all drawings first she gets you know she and her husband get insulted kind of as a group and she gets just ditched i mean he walks off without even really looking back and they told she has to go on all these what did they call them cultural engagements or something like that yeah with the with the like you said the the pictorial uh agenda of stuff to do it was like one hit after the other and you could see in her face like she was that was an insulted face oh my god when she looked down and it was like there was like a picture of food to represent her meal i mean come on who wouldn't feel awful but they're catering to the customs of their guests yeah so you know and these are the customs you asked for there you go which it's just i mean tell me why how in the world was it explained to the outside world why women are not allowed to read or write Mm. again there's like such a strange part of this that's like we're doing this about fertility right yeah 
I mean, last I checked, reading and writing affects nothing about my ovaries no, or uterus. No, it's very dangerous to, to <laughs> eggs and It's just uteruses. so weird. I mean, I know, I know, bigger picture, obviously, this is about a class system and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like, to the outside world, when they're sitting there talking about, you know, oh, we're doing this for babies and blah, blah, blah. I mean, do they not realize how ridiculous? ridiculous it looks when i have to give you the you know the happy meal menu of what you're doing for the rest of the afternoon like i mean how does that explain what we're doing you know if you don't know i think what she's referring to is that at at mcdonald's if you are illiterate you can ask for a picture menu yeah and you can just point at what you want and still get your food i think that's what she means by happy meal menu and by she he means me my wife. <laughs> Weird. Uh, so all these lies are just getting stacked on. She's walking around doing she her- She loves knitting. I know. Oh my God. That was such a great callback though, because you know, I assume that, that our audience is watching as closely as we are and would remember that she had shared with June that she actually hates knitting. But here she is, you know, in the little- greenhouse areas telling them how much she loves knitting and just like acting like i don't know i i I thought a little bit like maybe they were going over the top with the woman who was like her tour guide you know the way that the woman kept being like i'm so busy working i have no hobbies all i can do is work all i do is work that's pretty much all she said yeah and i feel like I don't think it's either or, and I and I don't really appreciate that the show did that because it didn't have to be so heavy handed. Even if the woman had only said, "Well, I don't have very much time for other things because I because I really enjoy my work and I do and I work a lot," that would have been enough. But like she says it like three or four other times in a way that makes it feel like I mean I get it. You're trying to show the polar opposite to sitting and knitting. Let me say two conflicting things. Okay. One is that I also felt that she was laying it on about her her ability to go to work, right? And But in my own real life, I have heard both men and women at the office say pretty much that same stuff. Whether or not they had families or not, it was just the work, the work, the work. You had it both ways. Like it is a realistic comment, but in this case, I felt like they laid it on thick. See, but and I kind of think it's not realistic because- Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it in real life. So When they were on a tour with another culture who women don't work- because you just well, gave I've never her, been on that tour. You no. just gave her the pictogram menu. So what I'm saying is that, like, I don't think it's very accurate because that I don't think that woman would be so obtuse as to realize that she didn't just say, "I work, I work, I work, I work," to a woman who you just gave a pictogram to because she's not allowed to read or write or mm, work. So. What are they doing? You know, like this, that didn't seem like an accurate way that you would lead someone through. And in fact, I almost would have expected that the woman would have said, well, I work so much, I don't have time for hobbies. And then go something like, oh, excuse me, or something like that. This is Canada. (laughs) I mean, where's the, where's the niceties here? Where's the like, I'm sorry. I mean, I I can't think of like another good example of like different cultures. I, I should, but I can't right now of where. There's no reason why, I guess if you were with a vegetarian, you wouldn't say like, I eat meat and meat and meat and I kill the animal. Like You just wouldn't say it in their presence, you know? Like, it's just not polite. It's not the thing to talk about. You polite know? omnivores would be like, would probably say both. They would say, oh, I like meat. I know you don't, but I, I, it's for me. There would be some right. acknowledgement. But probably not five or six sentences about meat. Like, you know, it just seemed awkward at that point. Like, I think you know this isn't the right subject to talk about. Or go into detail about how much they really need meat and it's just the only thing that they do. <laughs> right. And there's no time for anything except for eating meat. It's the only <laughs> thing she does right. for all her days. And then you'd be a jerk. Oh, God. So, so now you have Serena Joy obviously showing a lot of physical signs of where about, you know, this woman speaking like this, the pictogram thing freaked her out. Fred ditching out on her. The whole fact that she didn't want to be there anyway. Like, don't forget, she's having an extremely shitty marriage. So to even have to be there anyway was like, even if all things were equal, 
if Paul and I are in a gigantic fight and I have to go on a work trip with him, like I'm already like bristling, you know, like I don't really want to be there. Then if I got there and some people were like, podcasts are for idiots, I'd be like, I hate this place. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would not be a fun date very long, to be honest with you. So she goes and she gets, you know, her, uh, again, shut down over by the elevators with this mom kiddo scene what'd you think of that very true to life except like the mom maybe she wasn't canadian maybe she was former american or something because that was a that was a as cold uh as as i've seen but for the kid it was um the way kids act you know like and it was the first time i realized that the wife's outfit actually does look like anna from the blue outfit that Anna wears from Frozen. Okay. She even wears that headpiece kind of thing in much the similar way. And it is like a blue color. So when she said, are you a princess? That may have come off like, why in the world would she say that? Unless you understood that in Frozen, they wear those exact blue capes just like that. Who knows? Maybe in the Canadian Broadcasting Network or something, they, they, they gave a little tutorial on what to expect with your Canadian delegates when they visited and people made up their own minds and they, so that they could identify them right at, right, you know, at, on, on first sight. Cause the mom instantly wasn't like, Oh, what a funny monochrome dress you're wearing. She was, she knew exactly what she was looking at. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, when you say that she wasn't acting very Canadian, meaning she wasn't being very polite, I, I would disagree. I, th- I think that, that 90% of the world would be like, you're a disgusting pig, like right to her face. And the fact that she did just basically usher her kid away. And I mean, she kept her mouth shut. She bit her tongue. She didn't actually say anything horrible to Serena Joy. She just avoided her and, you know, gave her a bad look. But I mean, come on. Okay. All right. You know, that's that. That's having her having her take a separate elevator was the extent of her rudeness. Well, and she was just saying, that's okay. Like, I'll catch the next one. So I, she didn't say like I'd rather you not get on my elevator. I mean, she just she was just like, no, you go ahead. Right. There's no sin in that. But there's a stink on that. Uh, yeah. I mean, she was trying to sh- throw a lot of shade for sure. It was a shady, stinky situation. That's for sure. Well, let's talk about a different shady situation, and that was Serena going to the bar. I have a gigantic question about this, Paul. They can't read or write. But cool to get a glass of wine in the bar? We've seen wine at the home, but I always thought that they got it out of very hidden places, right? And like it was like the cooking wine. Is this sort of like, you know, when normal everyday people go to Amsterdam and they totally light up <laughs> while they're there and then they come back and they don't they don't partake when they're here? But they do when they're when they're there. So maybe this is sort of uh, the Gilead version of that. Um, I guess so. But my question mark is that is it not against the rules though? I mean, well, I there's don't... rules and there's rules, right? She's a delegate's wife, apparently. So what does that mean? It's legal for her to drink wine there, right? But it'd be legal for her to read and write there, and she's not going to do that. So I'm just curious though, because remember how we were asking like some of the rules about what they're allowed to do? Like how I was asking last week, are they allowed to listen to music? Was it against the rules that she had turned on Easy Like Sunday Morning on the record player? You know, was that against the rules or was it not against the rules? Is it against the rules for her to glass, have a glass of wine or not? Like, I'm not sure. I mean, I just feel like everything's restrictive. I should be scared if she plays the record player and scared that she ordered wine, even though I have like no reason to believe those are in the rules, you know, like at all. I haven't seen that. If they make reading and writing illegal, you know, music's got to be right right next to it you know what i, I mean as does drinking because i think that those would be considered like vices right and smoking is no good either so i mean it's like sort of all under the same category however i would like to say that this this uh guy what do we want to call him it's the american the right? american who is going to uh, have had enough information about Serena Joy in advance to know lighting up a cigarette right next to her was going to attract attention. Right, that she used to smoke and that she probably can't do much of that now. I liked the 
subtle confirmation of something that was probably pretty obvious, but I still needed it confirmed from last season when June is giving us one of her voiceovers and she tells us the American flag only has two stars on it. We kind of wondered, well, is it Alaska and Hawaii? His offer to her is to get her out to Honolulu. So yes, America is now Alaska and Hawaii. Why why do we know Alaska? I mean, I assume We just assume because it's like disconnected. So if Hawaii being disconnected, then Alaska. And you know what's interesting about that is that from everything that I had seen, um, and I've looked at like a lot of different like where they think Gilead is, I didn't get the impression that the entire continental US had been taken over. I saw this cool map that suggested that it kind it's kind it's almost like you can think of it like east of the Mississippi counts as Gilead to some extent. West of the Mississippi is like a contested area well, I was with, say- with an active fighting area kind of in that middle section, the breadbasket part of America. But I wouldn't say contested so much as or whatever, but it to me, it looked like it was the area that was like the colonies that looked like the toxic waste. The map I saw section. stuck. I don't know why. It didn't have reasons. It just did stuff. But the map I saw. What was this map? The map I saw. It's on the Gilead Online page, if you look. Yeah. Um, The map put the colonies almost like in northern Georgia. Oh, um, okay. Maybe southern Tennessee or something like that. Like somewhere in there. And it's not a huge area. It makes me wonder, like, what the hell would happen here? Why would... If it's if it's radioactive, what went on there that made that happen? Maybe CDC. That's where the um, if it was biological, right? Well, it didn't look like Atlanta, but that's a very plausible. I mean, this is just someone's assumption. I don't. I think I don't. I don't think that this was like a production drawing or something like that. Do you think that Serena Joy should have heard this guy out more? Did you like how she rebuffed him in various ways? I like the line: "All you've offered me is treason and coconuts." As a person who does do that well when guys come up to me at a bar i'm i'm silly as i'll get out but like an actual come online literally beer has come out my nose because i just think it's all so ridiculous that's how smooth i am in that department so the fact that she could pull out treason and coconuts was like you're so smooth sure i mean she's smooth but i think it's all piling up on her that that she she does have options and things are not great and she knows they're not great and i think she's going to run out of reasons to stay you know what i mean especially if something doesn't work out with this baby you know what i mean like she's going to run out of reasons to to want to stay cuz it's not fred that's not a thing anymore no not even a little but she did take the smokes that's what makes me think that there's cracks, that there's definitely cracks. I, I think that cracks always seem to have been, you know, existing. It's the fact that it's that one step forward, two steps back with her that is just so worrisome. You know, she does. She did take the smokes, but we'll see later in the episode. She throws the the little I, I did like that. It had a little tiki guy like on the front of the matches Um and the little Honolulu thing, that was that was a great little add to that. Um, and she threw them in the fire. The Americans thorough. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I just I just felt like watching her throw them in the fire almost felt like she was reinforcing her Galadian ways. You know, like I didn't feel so good about the cracks. Brave face. It's like the people that try to give up cigarettes by like ceremonially like crumpling up their cigarettes and like tearing them up in front of their faces. But they then, you know, a week later, they're still smoking again. Like, it's just kind of like that temporary surge in resolve. That's what I think. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. Well, while they're in Canada, we also have this massive storyline about Luke and Moira. Yeah, they're just hanging out, doing their thing with, uh, remember, we call their their house guest Erin, because that's her real, ni- real name in real life, and we haven't gotten her name otherwise. So they're just hanging out there, and they see Fred. And and uh, the former Ruby is like, that's the guy. That's, I know him. That's the guy that has June. When, when he's getting off the airplane as part of his delegation arrival into Canada. I can't imagine like the, the ice that would be going through my veins to see him actually on soil in Canada with me after I had gotten out of there. Like, I almost feel like some part of me, if I was Moira, would like, 
be hiding in a closet for like the rest of the episode until someone told me that he was gone. Like, I, I don't think I could be alone. I don't think I could, I could, honest to God, like, I'm not joking. I, I feel like I would be so scared that at any given time they were going to snatch me back there that, I, I mean, I think I would be like paralyzed with fear. Well, did you catch that moment when the first night that they're there and that uh, Fred and Serena are there and Fred says that the day went great and that the extradition of illegal immigrants is is on the table that they're talking about yes so what you're talking about is real could have come to pass right right yeah seeing him there is like a way where the place where you've escaped is saying to the bad guys you we recognize you as a legitimate government and are prepared to deal with and you and up until that moment you were probably thinking that your caretakers were like no you guys are bullshit we're we're not even we're not even looking at you. And now all of a sudden they're like shaking hands and speaking French with each other. I'm telling you, I, I would have found a place to hide and not come out until they told me they were gone. They go to the embassy or whatever you want to call that, that little America place where they deal with that that woman who seems to know what's going on, but has, as we just saw, no power to do anything about this kind of stuff. It's kind of how an embassy would be, right? They couldn't they couldn't enforce anything outside of their little domain on their host government. And I wasn't really sure what they wanted them to do. Did you did you gather they wanted them to be arrested or they wanted to run them out of the country or arrested, they wanted yeah. to I think that I think they said arrested. <laughs> which of course, you know, Canada invited them there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't I, it didn't seem like that was going to go well at all. How did you feel about Luke and and maybe more specifically that the acting that that happened with Luke in this episode? To me, I mean, I know you're going to disagree or fine. I I know I know you're you have a beef with Luke, but Luke looked like just a shell of a guy who has come unglued because normally he's this kind of laid back guy. I mean, super laid back guy, laid back to a fault kind of guy. And here in this, he is driven to an act where getting shot was on the table. I mean, he 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 rushed a barricade. He approached a foreign diplomat. He could have been shot for, for that. It happens, you know, gutsy and sort of out of character for him because it's way more forward than he normally acts. So, yeah, I was OK with it. I was okay with what he did and how he looked and how he acted. So my issue is that I just feel like when you put him up against all of the women actors, whether it's Ann Dowd, Elizabeth Moss, um, you know, even even the people who play smaller parts like the the actress who plays Janine, I just feel like I mean we watch so many different programs where a, a person's face can extract so much empathy from me and i mean you can get my eyes tearing up over anything and this was such a layered fantastically upsetting situation i mean i'm, I'm talking like this is the pinnacle of everything you have luke standing face to face with fred and i felt nothing i felt like i was watching a scene but i didn't feel in my heart, the desperation that I know, logically, this character sh is feeling, but he didn't, he didn't pull it out of me. He, he didn't make me sad. He didn't make me uh, have that same level of empathy that I have 99.9% of, of any of these stories, even stories that are far, I mean, we covered The Mist. And I understood the desperation of those people, even when they were doing a bad job. <laughs> I felt it. And with this, I just felt like the stuff he was yelling to me should have been coming out rapid fire, like diarrhea of the mouth, like screaming and ranting and just saying all the things that happened. Like, you chased me through the woods, you kidnapped my wife you have stolen my child you are holding my wife hostage and he just he only says one thing you raped my wife i understand that that sounds like an awful thing to say but it's also the kind of thing you could say to a guy who lives in your own neighborhood who once dated your sister and it was date rape and it was terrible but it someone else could say it was he said she said blah 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 this is not what happened and he did not portray what happened in any of his words, you know? And okay. this was his big moment. 
He had a crowd of people. No doubt there were TV cameras. This was his moment to accuse Fred of all the things he has done. And he just didn't. They didn't write him anything, you know? So is it the the acting or just the lack of the the lines that you have a, an issue there? I have. Okay, well, so from the standpoint of the writing, I, I don't understand the way that they've written Luke at all. And the only thing that I can come to any conclusion for is that they don't know how he should be written because he... I have not met one person who has said, I like Luke. I, I, I could put myself in his shoes. I understand every way that he reacts to things. I've only heard people say things like, I don't get it. Why did he say that? Why did he walk away? Where was he going? Um, you know, all those kinds of things that just feel like, I don't know. He's just, he isn't a fleshed out character. He is not three dimensional. He didn't make the, you know, hair go up on my arms. Nothing. You know, Elizabeth Moss can get her eyes watery. The conversation that she had with Anne Dowd in this episode was so amazing, you know? Caricature, right? He's He has been all over the place. I mean, we have seen him, like, you're not thinking back to the flashbacks where he plays that weak, weebly guy, you know? Yeah. And, and then they, and they showed him being far more timid with Serena at different points. And then now, yes, now he plays this hard ass. But we saw a hard ass last season that that you can actually argue looks even different than the hard ass post-hospital. Like you were even saying that it's like they turned the dial on him, right? Subtle, but he's like more foreboding now, right? You notice between season one and season two, a subtle but but palpable difference in Commander Fred, right? Yeah, he's... You even noticed the way he talked, the way that his voice sounded was different. You even have to look up at the screen because you didn't even recognize how he was delivering his lines, right? He sounds more confident. Okay, Luke, you can't say anything like that. His character has been so shallow the the writing for him and then the acting for him has been done so like just thinly that there's nothing there for you to grasp there's nothing for you to say oh the the inflection in his voice the way he used his body like there's nothing to say i have nothing you know he was just so bland for what an impactful episode this really was i don't know let's move on to that actual scene he rushes fred right he has the picture which i do think that that was a fantastic you know visual to remind all of us you know that they were once a family of 3 you know with a husband and a wife and remember hannah cuz he didn't mention her to fred he didn't even mention hannah paul daly you tell me you're the father of children. You would stand in front of that man and not say Hannah's name? How? That's just weird, right? He only had a second, but yeah, I mean, he could have... He, he could have said whatever he wanted from behind the barricade for as long as he wanted and then lunge at him, you know? But... I mean, the, the note he got said, save Hannah, right? That's, <laughs> that was his mission. That's the only that's the only thing she's asked him to do, save Hannah. So Hannah should be in the front of his mind on this whole deal. So I don't know, you guys. Maybe you guys were were brought into Luke. I am not saying anything about that he should have had like um, you know, a written speech or he should have been coherent. Quite the opposite. He could have just bawled his eyes out and fall on the ground. He could have done like a thousand different things. I just, I didn't hear the emotion. I didn't feel the passion. I wouldn't have liked that better. I'm not saying I would have, but I'm saying it's not like that's what I require. I'm not requiring it to be more complex. I just, he didn't sell it. And maybe you could say the writers didn't sell it or the director didn't direct the actor enough to sell it, but it just like wasn't sold to me, you know? He still got Nick's attention though. He did. And Nick, ever resourceful, manages to find Luke later in the bar. Luke isn't too interested. <laughs> did you foresee anything that Nick did in this whole thing? I mean, would you have guessed that he would have gone through with any of this, saying that he knows June, delivering the letters, all that stuff that he did? Did you see that coming from Nick? Nick could be, should be, in a more, sad to say, kind of possessive type zone when it comes to 
June. I mean, he has her kind of to himself up there and she might be carrying his baby. So I think that the part when Luke did say, you have my wife and they did look over at Nick with the camera. That's again, Nick was stealing the scene in all this, you know, Nick, Serena Joy, they're just looks on their faces. And, and, and if you look at between Luke and Fred, 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 ruled that conversation with Luke. You know, I mean, he downplayed everything that he said, you know, handily, without a doubt, made him look foolish almost for saying the things he was saying when, you know, Luke could have rattled off 10 million different things that was, you know, really happening over there. But I did think that it changed Nick. I do think it made him feel like it is a family that that existed before, you know, and yeah. he saw her picture with with her husband and her child. And I think that that's what released him, you know, basically. And before mm. that, anyway, he had already told Price two episodes ago that he wanted out of the house. He wanted out of there 100 percent completely. So I think that in many ways he was already one foot out the door in terms of continuing to even protect June, you know. OK, so he's approaching it more maturely than I'm giving him credit for and seeing that he just has no place in this. I think so. I mean, I think that he honestly, I mean, don't you agree that once he told Price he wanted out of the house that pretty much Yeah. Where was that going to go besides out him, of the house? Him being removed <laughs> from June right. completely. So yeah. in that case, I mean, I, I really I firmly believe that these were like final moments for him in terms of trying to do the right thing, you know? I, I I guess I was somewhat surprised when he actually pulled the the letters out, but but not totally. Like it's not like I had forgotten about them or anything. And I mean this made wonderful sense to to give it to Luke. I'm not so sure that I feel great about how Luke and uh and Moira and Aaron decide to use those letters. I, I don't know that they actually handled that in the best way. But I do think that that interaction between Luke and Nick again, Nick came off looking like the normal person <laughs> between him and Luke. You know, Luke was so all over the place, you know, and I and I do understand, don't get me wrong. Obviously, his head is like in a thousand places, but almost to the point of it being absurd, like him saying, get out of here, get out of here. Yes, he finally remembered to ask about Hannah, but it was like almost like too little too late. You know, I mean, he could have sat there and had a complete conversation with Nick. Yeah, he'd been drinking and he'd been, you know, upset and his blood was up because he was prepared to kick Nick's ass for a second. So, yeah, maybe his brain wasn't working on all cylinders. But when the group gets together, it is it's Aaron's brain, right? It's like, well, this this can explode. Because the the other two are like, what are we going to do with this? Uh, I, I do I do agree with the idea of the internet. I do agree with the idea of getting the letters out. I just think it was, I mean, Moira had to know something about Nick in terms of like, um, I, I don't know how to say this in a different way, but once Luke said, Nick gave this to me, it kind of feels like Moira should have said something like, well, we don't want to get Nick in trouble in Gilead, you know, or something like if he had gone through, it's not like Luke came across these in the gutter and they, and, and Moira had no idea where they came from. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, but she might not know the significance of Nick, you know, but Nick gave the letters to leave Gilead. He was obviously trying to help no matter what his relationship with was with June. I mean, it, it's. It seems like why doesn't Moira go and tell everybody of that farmhouse who helped her get across the border? Why not just go ahead and burn them up? Do you know what I mean? It's like why would you hurt people trying to help? Well, because get the, these people out. I think. I think the what it could have boiled down to, even though we weren't privy to the entire conversation, was that that. I mean, they couldn't have known this precisely, but with that business of extradition being discussed at that level, them releasing the letters protected them in a very like solid and final kind of way. 
You know what I mean? Whereas I'm not, if they I'm had not waited, disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with releasing the letters. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with it. I just feel like they needed it to happen right then, though. They needed the delegation kicked out. Otherwise, what if that agreement had been put into place? I do agree with you. I just think that maybe there was some way to. I, I don't even know how to say it. Like have it. I don't know. Somehow get it to the the Canadian people in a way that was like. I don't know how to explain. I don't have a great idea. I'm just, I feel like it was such a direct line to Nick that I don't see how Nick makes it through this season. Well, me neither. I I don't even know that he's going to make it through the next episode. And, and, and I know, I mean, we do have that final moment between him and June where he clearly, you know, gave her a kiss and said goodbye. And I, I do think that for anyone, you know, on the team Nick side of things, I think you should really consider that as, you know, curtain call for him because he's obviously letting go, you know, of, of his feelings for the future and stuff like that. I just, I just felt like I wished that, that Moira had the ability to, to utilize the insider knowledge that she has of how Gilead works to like minimize the damage to people who could actively help June. I mean, Luke can absolutely say to Moira, Nick gave me the information about June. Mm. I mean, he, he, Nick offered all that stuff to Luke, all of it. And so it, it, I don't know. It just seems like not like you should trust Nick and not like you even, even, even have to care about him. But the, but the premise of hurting those who are trying to help others seems like a terrible idea, you know? She, she might be kind of scorched earth about it. Having been at Jezebel's, she might have like a totally like, you know, burn it all down if I can't be responsible for who gets caught in the fire. I mean, I guess you're right. I, I, I totally do understand that. And I and I definitely do not blame the victims of the situation of Moira or Luke or Aaron in, the, in terms of like just grasping at straws for what to do. I, I just think it's, I wish that, you know how I've, I've said to you in the past, it's not like I'm blaming the characters or anything. I just wish that it was being handled in a more clever way. You know, taking that kind of stuff and putting it on the internet, not to be a jerk at all, but a sixth grader could have come up with that plan. I mean, that's exactly what in this day and age, cyberbullying type, you know, take someone's note, something they wrote, take a picture of it and put it on the internet. There's nothing interesting about it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but it's universally accessible. And once it's out, impossible to pull down from like a governmental kind of standpoint. Like if you hand Very it true. over to the state or what do you call it? Province department or whatever they call it up there. Of course. Ministry. Someone um, could easily hide it or you know, right. destroy it. It could get or, lost somehow. Uh, a thousand things. I agree with you. But, but do you disagree with me on the premise that a sixth grader could have come up with the exact same plan? And that there was nothing more more interesting or clever, anything about even the way the story unfolded. Uh, oh, where I uh, I don't disagree with that. Where what I feel is kind of hokey about about the way it rolled out was that Luke and Moira didn't see it uh, as as for what it was. Moira was like, "What are we going to do with a bunch of letters?" You know, like Moira. I mean. These are accounts of what's happening there. No one knows this shit anywhere. But that's what I, I guess, I, I again, where I feel like I don't understand why Moira's insider knowledge is being acted like it's just nothing. Like there's nothing, there's no, you get what I'm saying? I, I said it before, but now you, you've just kind of repeated what I, what I was trying to express. The idea of like, for all we know, the Canadians are just wringing their hands know. about it, but they're not getting the story out for all mm-hmm. we know. Right. So this got it out. Made it so that the people were calling up their, I don't know what they have in Canada, representatives, something, and were like, get those Gilead guys out of here. And that they did. They totally got them out of there. This last scene that we had with, with Luke and Moira and the and the people in their apartment, how did you feel about the idea that they were like cheering and, and being like, they're finally out of our airspace and all that kind of stuff? What did you feel about that? Just a super tiny victory. Like, like just, I mean, it's, you haven't had any victories in a while, so you'll take that one. But in the, in the scheme of things, that one's 
tiny? I I think that a, a lot of people on the Gilead online on Facebook were saying like, I don't understand what the victory was. And I don't understand what's the big hurrah about them being out of the airspace and all that kind of stuff. Like, like, what did you actually accomplish? Like, sure, you sent them back, but back to where and with what and with who? They're weaker and, if they don't have trade partners. Right. And so that's what I would say. I would say that the, that the, the power came from I think two parts, definitely weaker about the trade, but I would say even more than that, that extradition of the illegal refugees. Right. To me, that would be the thing that you would be cheering the hardest. Would you're, be, you're only a country if the other countries around the world agree that you are. You know what I mean? Canada basically just said, we're not so sure about you in, in this Oh, I don't think that they said that. I mean, I said they, they said, get out. Right? I mean, they didn't say well, we're I mean, not in so term, sure about you. So sure about their legitimacy to at the claim of sovereignty. How about that? That's more like what I'm leaning toward. I was thankful that some information was going to leave Canada with um, with Nick as well. Um, we talked a lot about the letters being left in Canada, but, but the information that Moira got out and that she was safe and that she was living with Luke and all that, that made me so happy that Nick was able to bring back something for June. You know what I liked was what did you like? Moira with her little sign uh, when they were mobbing the, the limousine as it left, and it said, "My name is Moira," and all the other women had names like that. So it was like all the women were making. They were saying, you know, your your culture of of this guy of that guy is bullshit. We have actual names. There's that, but then she had the very personal message of saying. My name's not Ruby, shithead, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just wish that her sign said, my name's not Ruby, my name's Moira. Because to me, there was something, there was something about, again, it just felt less impactful to me. I mean, I get it. Oh, I, I thought it was impactful. Because she, I mean, she looked at I it. I said less impactful. So I, I'm just saying that it's, I, I think that there's moments that... There's so many clever lines and so many just really impactful moments that I appreciated it, but it didn't go far enough for me. I wish that it exposed even something more to Serena Joy. I wish that one sign said, the commanders have a whorehouse on the sign. Do you know what I'm saying? Like some other information, like everyone was so reserved about calling them out on their shit. If that this was another real. 10 episode season, maybe you would have gotten that in this episode as it was. This is a 13 episode season. So we, we got some good stuff that happened in this episode. I kind of really enjoyed this episode. I see I that. I did too. I did too. I don't mean to be saying like I didn't like it. I, I really, really did. I just am saying that I, I wish that the people, the victims didn't feel they needed to be so reserved because this was finally a time when they could scream from the top of their lungs what had happened to them and they just didn't in my opinion looking at the imdb episode by episode star rating this is just like the users rating the the shows smart power has a 9.3 which at this point is the highest of all the episodes this season with the with the uh the season opener at 9.1 and first blood you know the one where they set off the bomb at 9.2 i i definitely think that this one had the most exciting storyline in that you know actually leaving gilead i mean it was such a breath of fresh air it was such a much needed confrontational moment for the whole world i mean there wasn't anyone who was a part of this episode that did not get confronted in some way about what was going on. And, you know, we already talked about Fred, but Serena Joy feeling confronted. Even I would say Luke, who, you know, we were saying has been more laid back, like June's not fine, but just sort of like leaving it at that. This was finally a time when he was confronted with the actual man, you know, who was doing this. And, you know, he he was able to act on that. And 
for Canada. Like, here you are acting like you're going to try to get along and make nice with these people. They were confronted with it, with those letters and putting it online. And, you know, this is who you're actually dealing with. And, you know, they had to draw the line and say, you know what? Actually, we're not going to deal with that, you know? So let's talk about who else was confronted with a lot of truths in this episode and move over to June's storyline. Before we do that, do you find it at all interesting that the show writers decided to put the Mexican trade delegation in the first season and that actually worked out and it was for kind of some shady shit right it was like women for oranges or something okay yeah which says everybody's desperate everybody has just a shortage of everything okay and but canada is like no we're not interested no thanks we're not we're not doing that but it's a little stink on mexico i i guess how desperate do you think the situation is i do think that we don't have a good idea at all because i i agree with you that i'm not going to go with the idea that mexico was um highlighted as like this I don't know, like we should think something shady about Mexico currently. I think maybe it's definitely possible that even pre-Gilead, Mexico is a more desperate place. You know, their citizens do have less currently. You know, if you go right now, you will you will find that there are more people who are having a hard time than, say, Canada, right? Okay. Or you could go up there and they have a much different system, you know, of how ha- things are handled. And most of their citizens or, or, or a good deal of them are able to access things that they need, whereas Mexico currently can't. So then it doesn't surprise me that when Gilead comes into the picture, Mexico would be, you know, somebody who, who would be interested in, in doing something right. quicker. Their, their position hadn't just suddenly accelerated with no, the so, downfall of North America. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, they were, they're in a bad position now, and I think that they would be in, in, in an equally bad position coming okay. to, with Gilead. That so, I think that Canada is in a better spot. But it does make you question about, like, what do countries around the world think? What, how is, how will people further away from the situation, take it, you know, what will, will there be more, you know, will, will Britain come into play? Will, will some other more, more questionable country who may already uh, have a system within it where women are second class citizens, will those countries come into play? Because certainly those currently exist. Could they find some trade partners in that, you know? Good conversation. I mean, to the it'll it would really be a test of their kind of their state level devotion to this faith that they've made up right if depending on who they deal with a lot of these places you're talking about are devoted to one faith or another that isn't necessarily going to be very closely aligned with the teachings of gilead i hear you except for that when you know it came to having um you know a gay uh official that he had to deal with fred did not closed down from dealing with him. In fact, he tried to defuse the situation. Uh, good, good point. So to me, I feel like, say, if he was dealing with a country that had an extremist view um, on women and had them as second-class citizens, but they happened to believe in a different God or a different system than Gilead, I don't think that they would... See, it's like you said, I don't really think that a lot of them drank the water, actually, you know, drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> They're just doing it because they ha- they get benefits out of it. But I don't think that they... You're right. They they would if they really stood on their convictions, they wouldn't do business with anyone who didn't believe like Gilead did, right? Yeah. But that's not a thing, you know. They they are going to do business with whomever will do business with them. Going back to that Mexico thing though, isn't it interesting that the American guy says that the problem in Gilead is probably with your men, not with your women, but they were bartering for women. I mean, I guess that's Par for the course in in Gilead, the the women are seen more like commodities than than. Are you saying what's maybe more interesting about that is that Mexico, who is the outside world, who should have similar information as say Hawaii, they should like the rest of the world should be sharing information in a way that's like, are they not aware that you know? I mean, we just saw that Britain was having a fertility crisis. Moira gave that baby to people who were going to live in London. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't the whole outside of Gilead people who had the internet and conversations, especially at a political level, also be aware of a rumor that it was the men? Yeah, I could see that. 
So you're right. I mean, the whole, I mean, regardless of why Gilead was willing to trade women, who cares? Why does Mexico want women is the better question. You know, why, why aren't they, why are they drinking the Gilead water? You know, why would they not understand that this isn't about women? And what are you doing? Except for that they did, I guess they were coming and saying, well, it looks like it's successful though. Right. I mean, so then maybe, maybe that's why they had to come see it with their own eyes, you know? Yeah, they did put on that little show. That pageant of asses, if you will. (laughs) Right. It was crazy. Okay, so let's move over to June. There was a whole lot of confronting in this episode for June in that she has this realization that she is going to be leaving the baby. And not unlike her resolve that she was probably going to have to leave Hannah and figure out another way to get her back, this was a moment where it seemed like she was like... I can't, once this baby's outside my body, I'm not likely to be able to do anything about this baby anymore. This episode started, though, with her kind of in a resigned state about that fact. When you say that it was just something that that was going to happen and she could try to set the baby up, but there was nothing she could do. Yeah, I think 99.9999% of this episode was exactly that. I mean, it wasn't until the very last sentence that anything was different. So the entire storyline was absolutely about trying to prepare to leave the baby. And, you know, starting from Janine, and when she has to tell Janine, actually say it out loud, that I'm going to be leaving the baby, and Janine, like, loses it, and ends up getting, you know, a beating from Isaac. I think that that was her first, like, someone saying, this isn't normal, you can't accept this, you know? Yeah. It was an aha moment. I really felt bad for Janine right then. I wonder if they really, that's like a jawbreaker, that, that kind of movement, you know? So, and then we, don't, we didn't get any follow-up with, with that. Next time we see her, I bet she's she's a little rougher looking. What did you th- <laughs> what did you think of Rita's response to her godmother speech? I felt like Rita again. Here is a, an actress who has to play this role, being extremely stoic, expressing the 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 pain and her desire to want to help someone else, but having to weigh that with the in, immense responsibility of keeping herself alive and understanding that, you know, I mean, she does such a great job of explaining it. Yeah. Well, she sums it up with something along the lines of I'll do what I can, which to me, June was not really wild about accepting the idea that the one person she had any kind of personal relationship with could only commit to, well, I'll do what I can. That could be the only reason that she would then turn to Lydia, I think. Because she said to the baby, like, I got you someone. It's it's interesting. And she's just asking Rita to be kind to her. That's it. Yeah. But she's saying, like, I, I can't protect you, June. What, what makes you think I'm going to be able to protect this baby? So I think June was actually good with I'll do what I can. I, I honestly believe that that was all that she could ask for. And Rita 100% met her there. So I felt really good about her response. The interaction with Lydia, I thought, was very satisfying for me. Well, it felt like, to me, that June was coming at her at several different angles to try to get, to provoke a response, but she couldn't just come out and say what she wanted exactly. She started with the with the godmother stuff, and that didn't really have any traction immediately anyway so she had to lean on more subtle means um do you think that lydia understood the stuff about violence or hitting women or whatever the whatever the line was that she said that basically said that there's someone in this house well, hitting any man, women any man that would hit a woman would would hurt a child there you go that's the and, line and i i think that yeah i mean and Dowd's eyebrows said everything you know she didn't have to say anything her eyebrows said like this is concerning and you know and lydia's job is is the safety of the handmaids and the babies and and making you know the only thing that keeps lydia alive i'm positive is successful babies being born and and growing up healthy in gilead that that is the only way so any scenario in which 
you know, they go through all this trouble and then something happens to a baby, you could tell. I mean, when Lydia was doing the whole episode before um, where she's calling Janine Janine, she's not calling her of anybody, you know? Yeah. And, and there's just, there's a whole, and she's allowing June to call her Janine, you know? I, there's a whole like letting down of their guard when it comes to children. And so I really felt like, Lydia understood. She really did. And and she had that I hate knitting moment when she said, you know, I I'm I was the godmother to to my nephew. Um, you know, and I really am curious about the line when she says that the baby died at 4 days old and it wasn't her fault. Mm. What does that even mean? That was a question mark. That was so loaded and crazy. I mean, it was like, dun, 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 like, what the hell? But I think even after that, I mean, I know June felt more like I'm doing everything I can. I, I am laying little, you know, truth bombs at everyone's feet. And I'm asking everyone to be there for this baby in any way that they can. It seems like she has Lydia and Rita, Janine as well, I suppose, you know, as if she's going to have anything, any control, you know, but... It just seems like there's people saying, "I we got your back in whatever way they could possibly express that, you know? Do you know what Lydia didn't say? What? She didn't say, well, it's well within a commander's right to to punish to his anybody. wife punitively. Um, or, or hit a child or discipline a child in any way that they see fit. We had a sense that Commander Fred was kind of shooting from the hip with that dealing of punishment. Now we really know it i think you know although although you know really how can we say that i mean look at what lydia has done corporal punishment wise i mean how can we really think that she doesn't feel that that physical abuse is acceptable i mean you know she's okay with it well uh you know people that beat people i think they can um come up with all kinds of like scenarios where it's acceptable in this situation but not in that situation not just like a free for all where you beat anybody you can i could i could see where they'd have their own internal sense of like code and logic lydia really fits that that mold for me someone she that would does have that. but when i'm when you're asking like could she make up an excuse for fred to hit serena though i kind of think she probably could don't you but she didn't she didn't give any indication she didn't say that nope she didn't she didn't say anything like uh, you know, especially maybe too, whereas handmaids are supposed to be submissive and supposed to be following rules, I don't get the idea that we're supposed to feel exactly the same way about wives. Yeah. So whereas she needs that, she's given all that, you need to know your place, you need to stay in your place, you need to watch your mouth and stuff. Wives aren't told that in the same way, minus Frederick in this last episode, right? Yeah. The obey your husband talk. <laughs> Uh, so I, I honestly, I thought that this whole part was, like I said, satisfying. Lydia talking with June felt really good. Um, June talking with Rita felt really good. The Isaac Janine part felt terrible. Isaac and Eden, Paul. Isaac and Eden. What are they sitting up here? Well, I think for one thing, they're very similar in age uh, compared to Eden and her husband. They're probably separated by like 15 years, right? Whereas these two are just separated by five years, which must feel like nothing to them. Because they had an instant rapport. A lot of looks that lasted too long between them. So where do you think it's going to go with that? Uh, well, I've been trying to figure out just who it is that Eden is going to tell about the letters. <laughs> I have one scenario in my mind where she tells the commander because it just comes up one day. You know, they come back. They're like, I can't believe those fucking letters came out. And she'd be like, letters? I saw letters. And it would just be like this thing that she, she just says, you know? Yes. The other scenario revolves around Isaac. Isaac strikes me being as young as he is, being in put put in charge of a commander's house while he's away. I think the the lad is probably very ambitious to have gotten that posting. Very, very. Perhaps she might want to impress such an impressive young lad. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, Isaac seems like a very likely channel for the news of the source of the letters to become exposed. Okay, so do you think Isaac sticks around when Nick is back? 
Yeah. Or do you think Eden and Isaac start sneaking around? No, I bet he just sticks around. I bet he's just on the staff now. He's just one of the, I mean, where, where Nick gets to wear a suit and all that kind of stuff, but he still counts as a guardian. This guy's going to stay in his guardian suit, but be on the house security staff. That's my my take on it. Okay, okay. I totally like that. We did have the the moment where Nick does tell everything to June about getting the letters and Moira and all that. I, I really do want to want to say that I do feel like that that was a goodbye. Uh, was there anything else that you read into that interaction? Well, no, just same thing. Uh, you tell somebody you love them, but you give them a kiss on the cheek. That's what you do with like grandmas and aunts and cousins and that sort of thing where you're where you're saying goodbye. I, I'm, I might not ever see you again. Not the time for like a big mouthy kiss. Oh, my especially God. now. Now that he's met Luke, he probably can't like he can't just stop loving her right away or anything like that but he has a little more i don't know i would like sense of honor than i guess i thought he did so it was like i can't do this to that guy that that really torn up guy i can't do that to him i agree i I think it was definitely that i mean but i do want to go on record that at no point do i think that is the right time for you to do a big mouthy kiss to your grandma or cousin or aunt's no, no, that's just a bad time. No, yeah, no, there's no, no time. There's no time is what I'm trying. Just to be clear, no times a good time for that. Um, I, I guess the what do you think pushed June to have that new resolve to say I should just be happy? You know, between knowing that Moira got out and is with Luke, and knowing that Lydia and Rita will look out for the baby, I should just resign to the whole situation. But fuck that. What do you think pushes her over the edge for that? I think it might be that Moira got out and that it sounds like there might be a life waiting for her in Canada if she can just get there. I think she's still got some optimisms left in there, even though earlier this season we saw it all but erased. It looks like it's built back up and she still has some, like you said, resolve, some optimism. And she feels like it's possible because Moira got out. Man, I I certainly cannot wait to hear how is she going to do this? Do you think that if she is able to get out, which path? Do you think that Lydia could actually be the path to get out of here? No way. Do you think Serena Joy is potentially a path? 50-50. Okay. Do you think Nick is any path anymore or that's been fully examined? Nick is, I think, a likely path, but not one that he will survive. Okay. All right. So for all you people who do not like spoilers of any type, you can turn off now. But if you do like a questionable spoiler, uh, let's talk a little bit about the preview for the next episode. Lay it on me. Well, I just really want to talk about that swimming pool section where they show like two people drowning, like with like weights on their feet. It seems to be a man and a woman. And I want to know who you think they are. I didn't, I guess. I didn't see it close enough. Well, no one did. It's meant to be, so you can't tell. <laughs> you, they, 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 like they left sh- it absolutely ambiguous. It's a man and a woman, but that's all we have. They like to show very ambiguous things in I previews. Think the line where he says, I have something for you. You deserve this, blah, blah, blah. I think that that is we're thinking she's going to go see Hannah, and the result is she's going to go see the swimming pool. Because I think that he is going to blame her about Nick and stuff, too. Sh- you think they're running out of rope in Gilead, so they've just got to use like swimming pools and weights now? I don't know. That's a good question. Why not the wall? I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, do you think that it's possible that someone commits suicide and that's what's with the weights and the ropes? Sheesh, man. Maybe it's not an execution. Maybe it's a poolicide. <laughs> Swimicide. Swimicide. Yikes. I don't know, you guys. I mean, it could be anywhere. So, you know, there's even some thought in my brain that, like, could it be like uh, Warren and Janine? I mean, who could we? I mean, Janine's going to wig, right? At some point here, she's going to she lose her marbles. She seems unstable, yeah. But I love her. She's so the, the comedic relief. I hate for her to be gone, you know? If they something happens to her, it'll, to me, in my in my little TV heart, it'll feel like the same as, as, as killing a kid. I agree with you wholeheartedly 
wholeheartedly on that. Well, I cannot wait for our next episode. We are lucky enough to have a screener for the next episode, so I cannot wait to go watch it. So I'm going to say goodnight, you guys, and thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope that you guys have an opportunity to listen to us on SMS Radio. It is on Monday and Wednesday nights for us, and it is on 8 to 9 Central Time, 9 to 10 Eastern Time. And... You can catch all of our reviews on iTunes and so many shows.com, as well as Daily Review on Twitter, Facebook, and DailyReview.com. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thanks. Thanks. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, DailyReview.com, that's D A L E Y Review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.